All rise. The legal show of New Orleans is now in session on WHIV 102.3 FM. Welcome to the radio show that presents a case of equal human rights and social justice for everyone. This hour of legal discussion is brought to you by all those who've come before us in the struggle for justice. It's time to stand together and speak truth to power. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the All Rise Legal Hour, presented by the Justice and Accountability Center of Louisiana. This is Savannah Wheeler with JAC, and our guest tonight is Nia Weeks, who is the Director of Policy and Advocacy with Women with a Vision. Women with a Vision is a community-based nonprofit that uses an intersectional framework to address issues faced by women in our community and our region. And the organization has a 28-year history of health promotion and community outreach work. Tonight, we'll be hearing specifically about Nia's work with Women with a Vision, leading policy-level advocacy to address problems that negatively affect women and communities of color in Louisiana and beyond. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are listening to WHIVLP in New Orleans, 102.3 FM, dedicated to human rights, social justice, and public health. The objective of WHIV is to remove the stigma and shame from those factors that led to the disease's spread. By reserving our airwaves for the voices of the marginalized, for honest dialogue, and for community action, we're working to bring issues of social injustice and human rights into the light. Donate or become an underwriter by emailing info at whivfm.org. Um, my name is Mia Weeks, and I'm the Director of Policy and Advocacy at Women with a Vision. Um, Women with a Vision has been around for 28 years. Um, we utilize an intersectional framework to advocate with and for marginalized black feminine communities in the city, the state, and the South. Um, We started um, with eight queer black social workers who were responding directly to the spread of HIV and AIDS amongst black women. And they did a harm reduction model that, back then, we know now it's a harm reduction model, um, but they were just doing what they knew how to do, um, doing needle exchange um, with um, people who are addicted to drugs, um, condom, not just like handing out the condoms, but like teaching um, sex workers how to utilize the condoms um, smartly and safely, even like how to cheek them, right? And, <laughs> and get those on there um, to keep them safe and then spreading um, information about HIV and AIDS. And it's interesting because of a lot of those grassroots, like just this is just what we do, um, models of harm reduction are things that are being utilized across the country now, which is really fantastic. Um, our executive director, Dion Haywood, um, her mother was a founder of Women with a Vision. And so um, and we have uh, founders that are board members here. So the roots of what we do um, has maintained, um, even though the social climate, <laughs> the <laughs> climate has changed. Um, how we advocate and what we advocate for, what's important to us, um, is always there. Um, And so I said we work with marginalized black feminine populations, so we do work with sex workers. We work with women who are currently and formerly incarcerated. 
Um, we advocate with women who are living with HIV, advocate with members of the LGBTQ community, really um, focusing a lot of work on transgendered community members um, and uh, healthcare and uh, just economic equity and you know how to navigate through in that very specific space. Um, we advocate with women who are victims of domestic violence and really try to help guide some of the domestic violence legislation that's been going through. Um, uh, advise uh, community members who are in support of agencies that do work with domestic violence but being really, really specifically focused on the communities we advocate with because domestic violence looks very different for them. And so, um, and, and the uh, collateral consequences of domestic violence is very different for them. Um, and so, you know, we kind of, you know, hold that space uh, for those community members and that they, for the correct information to be told and, you know, for policies to reflect, you know, their experiences. Nia is a native New Orleanian, and I wanted to hear about her path and what brought her to her role with Women with a Vision, and particularly her role in policy and advocacy. Um, I left um, after I graduated from Ursuline Academy. I left uh, for college, did the whole like crazy life thing. I had, um, I got married, had four kids, um, graduated actually from Indiana State University, moved to Florida for a while. Um, and while I was in Florida, I was running um, the, Florida had privatized their foster care system. And I ran the public relations for 11 counties. Um, and I realized that I was stuck because there are things that I want to advocate for, um, for some of the kids and the families that I couldn't because I didn't have a law degree. So I um, decided to leave that job and go to law school. Like, like really, really unbeknownst to most people around me. I took the LSAT, like, just got quietly studying. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm out, peace. Um, <laughs> so I started law school in Florida. While I was in law school, I got divorced, so I moved back home. Uh, to finish, and um, got some really cool experiences while I was here. I did some work for Essence Music Fest, doing some artist contracts. I worked for SLLS, um, doing some housing work. Love SLLS, so fantastic institution and people that are working in that institution. Um, I worked for Hannah for a little bit, um, but my passion was still the families and the, the kids and the parents that got me to go to law school in the first place. Um, so I ran, um, got, I, I clerked for a judge and then I got the opportunity to run Harmony House, which was uh, a supervised visitation center for victims of domestic violence, um, run out of the sheriff's office. Um, and while I was there, I got the opportunity to be a public defender. So I did public defense in Orleans Parish for three years, loved every single second of it. The hard part of public defense is not the clients. I, I can't think of a client. I can think of situations that clients were in that were difficult. I can think of the frustration that clients had navigating through the system that were difficult. Um, I can think of circumstances that were just atrocious. I can't think of a client that I didn't even learn something from, grow from, or that I would be like, oh, never that client again. Like even even walking down the street, there's very few places because I was in municipal court primarily. And so there's very few places I can go in the city that somebody wasn't a client. <laughs> there's no grocery store, there's no 
homeless section of the community, or, you know, section where homeless community members gather. There's no even, you know, um, there's no social economic structure that's far from me having at least two or three people, my friends, who are my clients. Um, and so, you know, it just, it just shows the, the wide range of people that navigate the system, but I can't think of one that I'm like, eh, not so great. Um, I loved every, every minute I was there, absent, um, navigating vulnerable people through a system that is absolutely set up for them not to succeed in any way, shape, or form. Um, that's the hard part of being a public defender. And just like, you know, knowing, um, you, you can hear, it, 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 when in law school we're trained to analyze very quickly and, um, and to, you know, look at the circumstances and kind of move out what the issues are, um, what consequences are, you develop a plan. And it is when you know how the system operates, when you know how the DA works, when you know, um, you, you know, all the other things that are going to happen in the case that are even outside the purview of like what um, the legislation has, you know, enacted for how this should proceed through. It is really, really sometimes heart-wrenching to have a um, conversation with clients kind of knowing what the full outcome and the detriment on their lives is going to be. Um, one of the blessings about doing defense work is, you know, everybody else in that courtroom, the only thing they care about when it comes to that person is why they're there. You know, what they're accused of you know, who may have been injured because of what they're accused of. But they don't get to know the person. And we have this really, really fantastic space where we get to know people that other people reject. And we don't just get to know them, we get to know their families. We get to know all the circumstances in their lives that led them to this moment right here. And then you get this, this trust, right, from this person to help navigate them and I never say, like, I used to say I, I navigate people out, but you don't. You, you really don't. You don't navigate people out of anything. Sometimes you navigate people into a better space. You navigate people into a, um, you know, a different um, end result than they would have had absent, you know, your, your advocacy. But you know, once people step into the system, even people who are structurally, you know, who are innocent of the charges that have been brought against them, who um, may not have been the crown, may have the same reasons, right? like all of that, there is detriment to their lives. There is money that they were planning on being out, just gone. You know, the, the money for, for them to get out of jail, the money while they're in jail to put on their books, the money associated with them being able to make a phone call, um, the money associated with family members coming to visit and you're trying to, money associated with hiring an attorney, the money associated with, you know, that is taken out of the house because that person is incarcerated. So, you know, if they are the ones paying rent, if they're the ones paying, you know, the, the light bill, or they're the ones that had that extra little cash, you know, to make sure uniforms are paid for, for the school year and now that money has to be reallocated and then there's like but we still need the uniforms and you know and the kid may not be able to start school on time 
child may not be able to, to start school with proper uniform. And then the psychological effect that that has on a child to not be able to walk into school on the first day fully prepared to, to, to learn, right? And so, you know, even, you know, people talk about these long-term prison sentences and these, you know, we talk about habitual offender line, all of these things, but like one day in jail can have a drastic effect on, on people's lives and, and their families and their community. Um, and so, um, so I was feeling the weight of that <laughs> um, while I was there. Um, and my mom had passed. And so I um, chose to leave doing that kind of work and move to policy work. And so now I'm at Women with a Vision um, doing the policy work. And I, I feel like I'm doing more front end work. Um, because when I was in court, and I still hold some of my cases, but when I'm in court, I feel like I'm putting a lot of band-aids and building a lot of dams. Um, or here, I can actually say, you know, actually that tree is not okay. Like, <laughs> if you're going to build a dam, let's use sycamore, because sycamore is more sustainable. Um, and so being able to talk and work with policymakers to educate them on who our community is. And, you know, people look at me and, you know, I'm a single mom with four children. I'm like, ah, that's community population. And I was like, no, 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 no. I use my brain all day. That's all I do is think. <laughs> there are women out there that are navigating with, you know, working second and third shift for much less money who have to make a decision, do I go to work and leave my seven-year-old at home asleep, hope that he doesn't wake up so that I can go make some money or do I stay, but rent's not going to get paid this month? You know, trying to figure out, you know, do I pay my fines and fees in court, or do I pay for dinner tonight? You know, and, and the more immediate need gets, gets taken care of, but then you go to court and you're lambashed because you don't have the money to pay the fines and fees. Um, that's community. That's, that, is, that is who we don't see every day. Those are the situations that people don't think about on a continual basis. And so um, making sure that they are seen and heard um, is pretty much what I get to do now. You know, a lot of people think that policy, you know, you voice, the voices, and you, you know, you make sure that you, you know, no, 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 no. You, community tells you what they need. Community tells you what's important to them. And then you work with them to harness what they already have and push those things forward into the limelight. And you don't open the door, you may crack the door and then run away and let them burst through. Right? <laughs> but it, it, it's really about, um, because I have a legal background, because I have access to certain community members, it's helping bridge that, that gap that other communities members don't have to get, you know, in those spaces, in, in those rooms, you know, and have their issues, the things that they want um, pushed forward. So that's what I do now. We'll be right back with more from Nia Weeks. Stay tuned. Do you have a criminal record? Is it causing you problems in getting housing or employment? An expungement might help you. JAC has a mobile and web application that will help you with an expungement. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. 
You can also speak with an attorney at one of JAC's expungement workshops at the Orleans Parish Public Defender's Office, located at 2601 Tulane Avenue on the 7th floor. We're there the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month. More information can be found at www.jaclouisiana.org. We're back on the All Rise Legal Show with Neil Weeks, Director of Policy and Advocacy with Women with a Vision. So I wanted to hear about Women with a Vision's policy advocacy work and priorities in the 2017 legislative session. And how do they organize and advocate around these goals? I actually did a Black Women's Day at the Capitol um, for this legislative, se legislative session, um, which was fantastic. We brought 150 Black women from across Louisiana up to Baton Rouge, um, did a legislative training. We had speakers from everywhere. We had the Supreme Court, Alana Hebert. Um, we were the first Black female Chief Justice. Um, we had uh, our uh, Karen Carter-Peterson was our legislative um, representative, and she came and spoke to everybody. Um, we had Ashley um, Shelton from the Power Coalition. She did an entire legislative training from how a bill becomes a law to how to talk to your legislator and how to proceed through. We put together a 150-page legislative manual. Um, we had, um, it, was, it was a great day. But that day was uh, came from a culmination of, um, we had reproductive justice um, roundtables for black women across the state um, for about eight months prior to. And we utilized those conversations, um, the things that came out of the conversations to guide the policy areas that we were going to emphasize during that day. Um, and, so, and then we made some policy statements. So when we talk about economic equity, um, basically said that people should, and, and, Women across the state should be have the, the economic ability to take care of themselves and their families and should not have to make unhealthy choices about themselves or their family in order to do so. Um, we made the statement that um, the criminal justice system should be should have equity and fairness across board and that to discriminate or for there to be a disparaging effect on anybody was a detriment to the community as a whole. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, and, and, and we were we worked with that along with the um, larger criminalization pieces with the 10 package bill that the governor put into effect. We were at the table for all of those meetings, um, emphasizing the structural difference between navigating the criminal justice system as a man and what it meant to the difference when you're a woman. Um, and we're actually working with the sheriff's office to put in policies in place that are very specific to women when it comes to um, pregnancy and health care and mental health and dignity and um, need for sanitary supplies. Like just those very basic needs, um, access to their children, access to a social worker that can help God what happens to their children while they're incarcerated. Those kind of things are very different for women and it is for men. And so part of that conversation with Pew and the um, Justice um, uh, Task Force, and then ongoing conversations along with some of our coalition members, um, Power Coalition, Lyft, um, and law, other organizations that we're working with. We're also working in conjunction with Lyft and you know, with criminalization piece. Um, we have a fellow coming from the United Nations that's gonna be working directly on creating policy for incarcerated pregnant women. 
and we have gotten a um, policy agenda for all places, areas, all prisons in the state that house women. So that's every parish prison, and there's a few statewide prisons um, that we are working towards changing their policies to kind of mimic some of the work that we're doing here in New Orleans when it comes to um, incarcerated women. Um, so that's the so economic equity, criminal justice, and my mind is drawing a complete blank on, on, on the other, the education reform. And when we, you know, navigating um, and helping mothers navigate their children through the criminal justice system has been an arduous task. We actually have, we employ community members um, as uh, my colleagues, and so we have former sex workers and women who were formerly incarcerated, women who are uh, recovering, you know, from being addicted to injury and drugs, um, all in this office. Um, working and, and, and living and um, some of our uh, my colleagues are putting together a manual um, for mothers who are navigating their children through the system whether they're adult children or juvenile children and just giving like those practical tips on how to put money on the books how to advocate you know if you don't like your attorney what do you do if you want your child to house somewhere if you can't get in contact with your child all of those pieces, um, and so that's part of our juvenile justice piece and our education equity piece. Um, uh, there are, there's, when we talk about education, unfortunately we also have to incorporate the criminal justice system as it sits in Louisiana. And uh, it's like the two can't be bifurcated at all, especially when we had legislation trying to come through that made a schoolyard fight felony and made uh, and tried to make it a, a felony if you bully another kid. For us, um, when we talk about educational equity and we're talking about the women that we work with, um, that is a huge piece. Um, we've also had here um, a GED clinic for women who were formerly incarcerated. A lot of our sex workers um, came here and we would do a dinner and discuss. And then we had tutors on site to tutor them, preparing them to take the GED, which is kind of fantastic. Um, we, um, you know, going back to the economic equity piece, and it's part of um, the narrative around, you know, our work with the sex workers. Um, we, we worked really hard this session um, and were able to kill the bill that um, said that you had to be 21 in order to dance in the clubs. And, you know, we believe strongly that, you know, sex workers work. And, um, you know, there should be regulations and protections for women who choose sex work for whatever reason they choose sex work. Um, but to try to just take away uh, this legal ability for these women uh, to make between forty-five dollars and $120,000 a year when you're unable to pass equal pay and or a living wage in the city or the state um, is, is atrocious. And so last session it passed, um, the session before it passed. Um, was declared unconstitutional because of the um, broadness of the law. And so they tried to get it more narrowly tailored um, to affect the specific community that they were trying to uh, save. And I'm using quotation marks when I say save. Um, and we did some really good work with the community members we were able to engage during our day at the Capitol. Um, 
uh, people across the state, you know, law. I mean, we're making those phone calls, writing letters to the National Council of Jewish Women. I mean, we got everybody on board, allies that normally would not have taken on the issue, but once we did the education, um, and uh, they were able to support, there was a lot of education that happened to our lawmakers, and that bill died in committee, which was kind of, it was a huge win for us because they feel that we could not get you know, I couldn't stop it to save my life last year. And it was voted on unanimously, even though there were disparaging remarks made about the bill itself, it still passed through. And so um, so for that, for it to just be halted in committee, um, there's an introduction of amendments that said that you could, instead of barring the woman from dancing, um, if all dance clubs were mandatory reporters of trafficking, and that there was a social worker on site, and if they did not comply, that they would lose their license, right? That was the compromise we offered, and those amendments passed, and absent the legislator saying, this actually works better, he pulled the bill off the table completely. Um, and so it kind of shows you like where the prioritization is, right? If you're not willing to be amenable to working to save every woman that's in there who may be um, potentially injured and allowing the women who are just choosing to do it to be able to work and make their own decisions about their lives and their bodies in their own right. If that is not your goal, your goal is just to tell women, this is what I would like you to do. This is how you should be doing it. Um, and it was highlighted to us and it was highlighted to community. Um, and so we are, we feel really confident in the idea that we'll be able to, you know, push those things forward. Um, we were also part, there was a hair braiding um, bill that said that um, it was asking that women who do hair braiding don't need a cosmetology license, right? Don't have to go through the expensive ordeal of the cosmetology school. Pass, right? There was a, one of the um, Justice Reinvestment Task Force um, coalition members, um, Sarita Staub, and Sarita, formerly incarcerated woman, works with the Council for um, Formerly and Currently Incarcerated Women, um, got a bill written that said that on college applications, you don't have to check the box that you were committed a felony that passed. And so there's been a lot of engagement, especially with, you know, with us and other community members on really, really, really becoming politically savvy. And that's the new, that's the new sexy that's going on right now. And it's really, really dope. Um, because, you know, in the wake of the previous federal election cycle, I mean, people felt the loss, we're still feeling the, but it ignited something in community. And instead of community just being like, this is messed up, I'm so angry. Like they're harnessing this anger and frustration and creating a new normal on how they engage political figures and policymakers. And so, um, and then gaining wins from it, right? In Louisiana, which is, I mean, people were up at the Capitol who had never been. They didn't even know you could go inside the building, right? And they're in there testifying and getting their testimony heard and getting stuff passed. I mean, it was really, really, really a, a fascinating um, space to watch. Um, you know, we, we've been doing some, a lot of work with, um, like I said, people living with HIV, um, part of a coalition to help decriminalize HIV. I actually did an interview yesterday and someone asked me, you know, what is the end goal? I'm like, decriminalization of HIV. And until that happens, no consent, no, um, 
bill passed to you know change how the law is enacted like all of that are piecemeal victories and they're you know a portion of moving in the right direction um, to where we could be or should be but it doesn't end until HIV is decriminalized um, and so we um, work with um, other coalitions across the, the state um, we have some here in the city um, and then some nationally they're really advocating for the destigmatization and decriminalization of HIV. So that's where most of our work with HIV community members um, rests. Um, we do a lot of education and um, coordination with the LGBTQ community. Um, we, the other day we had a policy meeting and just taking the things that we did at the Capitol and being very specific on laws and how it, what it means to navigate through the system you know, as a member of the LGBT, identifying it as a member of the LGBT community, which is structurally different, even especially when you're talking about race, right? Because, you know, constitutionally and equal protection clause, the classifications are different. And so just doing some real community education and helping um, members of the community that would like to create a structured plan on how they want local and statewide officials to respond to the issues that are important to them. And so we're working with that community. We're going to continue these series of discussions um, on how to um, uh, assist in the activation of the advocacy for, for those members of the community. Um, we work with um, the domestic violence community. Um, we are, our, our main space in that is um, policy, and, and really, really, really trying to create a framework that is all inclusive. Our women that, you know, do sex work, you know, they, we have women that come here that choose to do sex work. And they don't like the predatory policing that happens to them. Um, they don't like the, um, the treatment maybe by their jobs, but they still want to continue to do the work. And so the only treatment that's out there is like, no more sex work, but we'll get you away from John. I'm like, I just want to be away from the John, which is actually a domestic violence scenario, right? But it's not a recognized domestic violence scenario because the minute that it's recognized that the relationship between the, the woman and the man is a, is a you know, prostitute John relationship, then they go in the whole, you're being trafficked. I'm like, I'm not being trafficked. Um, and so um, trying to educate and make those things inclusive. Um, a lot of black women um, are subject to dual arrest when they call for um, a domestic violence situation. And it's because of the way sometimes black women present or the, the, this idea of how black women should present. And so um, when the police come out and she's like, we got into it and, you know, and he hit me and he's never going to hit me. So I, you know, I pushed him off of me. They do the dual arrest without recognizing what that is. Um, and the intent sometimes by the domestic violence community and people who push legislation for the domestic violence community, the intent is to be all-inclusive, but sometimes the way they're being inclusive is detrimental to community members we advocate with. So when they said, you know, all anybody who's living in the house can be charged with domestic violence, now you're talking about brothers and sisters. Now you're talking about, you know, sibling rivalries. Now you're talking about mothers and daughters who may get into an argument and, you know, mom may restrain child and 
Now, mom is charged with domestic violence, and she could be a victim of domestic violence herself. And if you are charged with domestic violence, you are barred from receiving any services from the domestic violence agencies because of federal law. So now you've just barred this victim from getting any legal help, from getting housing, from being able to, you know, to maneuver, you know, in ways that are really safe for her and her children. And so there's a lot of education and continued re-education and, and when bills, when they're looking at putting bills through, they send them and people are like, well, maybe not, maybe so. Um, and, and trying to um, be more thoughtful of everybody and not just, you know, specific members of community and how um, victimization presents itself. Um, I'm trying to think. We also run a um, sex work diversion program here. So people who are accused of sex work can come here. Um, we run a program called Crossroads. Um, it is designed to advocate for that individual. So that individual needs these types of classes. I mean, there is a structured program that is in place, but if you need these type of classes over these classes, then those are the classes that you get. Um, successful completion of it does mean that your child is getting all props, which means that they're dismissed. And you can come to the program more than once. Um, and so we have women who come here all the time, <laughs> all the time, which is great, um, in, in, in need or, or just we're able to follow them through, get people housing, get people um, jobs that they want. Um, if they do help them, you know, we have uh, round tables of sex workers that sit and talk and talk about, you know, being smart and being safe. Um, <laughs> other policy, because there's quite a few that I know I'm missing. I'm missing something, but that's basically, and, you know, and our, our, our voter campaign work is actually the, the strongest piece that we're working on right now. We're working with Power Coalition and the members of the Power Coalition um, to navigate community members and what they get out the vote, but not just going out there and voting, but like being educated. So we have the economic roundtable this week. We're doing a criminal criminalization roundtable with the potential elected officials um, in a few weeks. Each group is doing their own. We're doing town halls within districts. We're um, goodness. We're having a debate at the end. I mean, really, 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 and bringing community out and like redefining what community is. Like I said, people think community is us that work with community. No, <laughs> it is us that it is the community that we work with that is real community. And so making sure they're able to come out and hear and see what these potential elected officials. Are, are saying they're going to do and want to do, and so that they can make a really, really, really educated vote. And then helping them get together a voting plan to make sure they're out during early elections because election day messes people over that we advocate with. You know, they don't have their ID, they don't have this, they can't find something, they can't take a day off of work. There's all these things that happen on Saturday. But through the week, we can help eliminate some of those issues. You don't have daycare, don't. We can have someone watch kids while you go in and vote. If you uh, and there's only four polling places in the city, so we can get you there. We can get a bus of people to one polling place at one time, opposed to trying to drive people around, find their polling spot. It's no longer down thirty-five. It's not going to worry anything. That like instead of having people to navigate that, you know, helping them. So our commitment, um, coalition-wise, is to get five thousand low propensity voters out during. I'm a
are listening to the All Rise Legal Hour presented by the Justice and Accountability Center of Louisiana. Tonight, our guest is Nia Weeks, Director of Policy and Advocacy with Women with a Vision. So we heard about Women with a Vision's tremendous work during the 2017 state legislative session, pushing policy goals to benefit women and communities of color in Louisiana. So when it's time to look forward and gear up for future legislative sessions, what does that process look like? We're still planning things, and that's because everything we do and say has to come from community. And um, we're still holding those meetings with those community members trying to figure out what is it that is going on in your life that makes it difficult for you to navigate through. And what would you like to see done to make it different? Um, I mean, that's a, it's a basic question, but until we have those answers, we can't really make a decision on you know, where we're going to be next session, especially, you know, we don't know what's going to happen federally, you know, and, <laughs> and so you don't know what exactly we're going to have to fight against. I mean, you, you know, it used to be that there was a, you could kind of understand where the federal administration was going and, you know, where their tax were going to come from and where their allyship was going to come from. And so you kind of plan a little bit, you know, that piece didn't even have to really be considered for now. <laughs> and you know, but, you know, I, I, I tell you, you know, it, it's 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 all a distraction. Like, come on now, like coming out with that dumb statement and you know that whole pilot and trying to redirect our focus. It's like, what you got going on? Like, I know you you got some kind of. It's like, look at my right hand because I know I'm just gonna let the just do it. And I'm like, no, I'm looking directly at your left. Like, I'm gonna say something about that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that you know I keep this. But it's your left hand that that needs to to make sure I'm I'm watching. The All Rise Legal Show is a project of the nonprofit Justice and Accountability Center of Louisiana. JAC provides legal services, education, and advocacy on criminal justice issues across the state of Louisiana. If you have an idea for a show that is related to criminal justice, we want to hear it. All ideas can be sent to allriseradio at jaclouisiana.org. We're back with Nia Weeks of Women with a Vision. So for those who want to support the work of Women with a Vision, how can you get involved? I can Google our website. And I always get the website address. It's www.wwab-no.org. Um, and so and it has all of our information. They can donate. Um, we accept clothing. We have our clothing. Um, closet here that women who are homeless and women who work with our sex work program, they come in, they get a little backpack sometimes and you know they, they have clothes. We also give um, products to the homeless. We go under the bridge, we do street outreach. Under the bridge, give bags and baskets full of um, personal hygiene products, um, some snacks, give hot dogs. Um, and, and it's really thoughtful. Diane, who um, works here, does our street outreach. She does a great job of like really being thoughtful about what goes in that bag. You know, um, handy wipes and sanitary, um, the hand sanitizer and um, products for women, razors and 
you know, hair ties, you know, just those little things um, that people need uh, to navigate through. So we take donations of those products. We put um, little Debbie snack cakes in there so they can have a little snack um, through the day. So um, we take those physical donations, monetary donations, um, talking about our work, elevating our work, um, following us on our website, following us on Twitter, you know, all of that stuff, you know, they want to be a part. This is a community agency, and that means it's for and with the community. So we appreciate any kind of community support that we can get. And the final question for all of our guests. Given that working in criminal justice and policy can be very difficult and full of frustrations and ups and downs, where do you find joy? There really are a lot of places. Um, but every day I redefine what winning is and what will make that day successful and good. And um, when I am able to be in a space where, yeah, it was just this, those things are, are, are done. And sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's, you know, People here getting something to eat. Someone here feels like they want something, and they, you know, they got, oh, I got my housing today, yeah, you know, what I'm saying, on the street tonight, you know, I got a bed, um, you know, um, that is a win. And being able to effectuate the redefined wins, that is that that makes my day. That makes me smile. From the community level to the statewide policy level. Women with a Vision is fighting for much-needed wins for all of us. You can learn more and support their work at www.no.org. That's it for tonight on the All Rise Legal Hour. We'll see you again in two weeks. It's been a good day and a good evening, and so good night. Music for the show has been provided by Dalla Bin, produced by DJ Ian Head, with additional production from Verb Math, from the album Styles You Can't Afford. All Rise Radio Branding by Hero Farm, a marketing and public relations agency with a simple philosophy. Do great work for good people. The All Rise Legal Hour by the Justice and Accountability Center of Louisiana creates discussions with local attorneys, advocates, and impacted community members about all things criminal justice. Think the criminal justice system has a limited impact on those who are convicted? Think again. Affordable housing, sustainable employment, civic engagement, recidivism, community wealth, sustainable cities, supportive families, and parental engagement with children. All of these things and more are impacted by the criminal justice system. This system perpetuates poverty in our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, and our country. The All Rise Legal Hour explores how intertwined these issues can become and discusses solutions members of our community are implementing. You have been listening to the All Rise Legal Hour on WHIV LP in New Orleans, 102.3 FM. WHIV is radio programming dedicated to human rights, social justice, and public health. Stream us live online at whivfm.org. End all wars.
working, getting cut, no slack. Every muscle sore, and you got a crick in your back. Oh, but your girl oh. give you a bath, massage your brain in a sack, and say, I love you, man. You gotta respect that. Verb approach the mic, clutch tight, and beat right in. Hooking up the beats, and we do it all, all night. night. Honey in the front row, thick and grinning at me like you can get it till it come daylight. Word? Your new man come through just to meet your son. Call the little man, sir, respect him from jump. Next thing they shooting ball, getting his homework done. You thinking, yo, I got to keep this one. That's a good brother right there. Walk into the store, hold open the front door, step aside. Let the queen walk in just before. Grab your stuff, head to the counter, and the cashier says, Thank that lady, your stuff is paid for. What? It's your first child together. She's screaming, pushing it out. But all you see is God's image while she cussing you out. It's the next generation. This is what life is about. Word to JMR's the journey is just. I mean, it's all good, and It's be like tripping, man. Look, man, I ain't even baiting it, yo. No worries. The world is too good. It's like we all get bogged down, mad, frowns, and twisted. Small, middle, or large, the joys of life can't be missed, kid. Gather up the moments that's bringing you peace. Whether it's just a sunny morning or some raw-ass beats. Or a fresh P&J with a cold glass of milk. Or the number of a girl that Serena-type build. It might pass, but so does pain. Move on to the next. Right? Tuck some aside when you're cashing your check. Learn to play guitar or get a fucking lap dance. Roll the sticky ick in a blunt. Spend the weekend in France. Scope out the honeys, filling out the tight pants. And tell your folks you love them whenever you get the chance. And all of y'all out there, you need to quit front and get your silly ass up and dance. Yeah, it's so stop. Uh, Turn back with that fucking body rock. Like.